0: Hello, and welcome to the Gifted Life Podcast, where we have conversations about organ, tissue, and eye donation. I'm Lori Steele.
1: I'm Joey Boudreaux.
0: I'm Sally Gentry. And futuristic sci-fi fans... Pay attention. Star Trek fans, Deep Space Nine. Hey, a star is joining us on
2: this episode. Why, you may ask?
1: There's a tie to donation that you'll want to hear about.
2: And to hear him talk with such genuineness about his donation is fantastic.
0: You're going to love it. So hold on to your hat. We're about to get started. But listen, we want you to share this in every episode of The Gifted Life. We try to make it as easy as possible
1: easy peasy you can find us anywhere you can find us on apple Podcasts, google play or whatever your favorite podcast app might be
0: easy peasy that's what, peasy. That's what you said joe okay I we're like gonna that. go with it you know what else is easy peasy joe hey our social media we're donate live louisiana <laughs> on facebook twitter instagram at donate life la sally shares our stuff it's
2: Easy peasy. Well, That's our term for today, Joe. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm wishing I could come up with something that innovative. Way to go. But you can call us at 504-648-3477. 504-648-3477. Just messing with you, Joe.
0: You still with mm-hmm. us? You I forgive did. us? He ready forgives us. Yeah, we are ready to. Power-packed episode. Here we go. We are excited here on The Gifted Life. We have some star power coming our way, guys. Yes, we've been prepping for it, so we're excited. Aaron Eisenberg joins us now. How are you?
3: I'm very good. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here, and I'm I'm very excited to be able to uh, speak with you all and and help out with uh, your donation and kidney transplant awareness.
0: Well, we think it's it's cool that we get to talk to you because if you uh, Google search your name... (laughs) <laughs> we find that you are connected to Star Trek. Is that
3: right? That is correct. I, I played Nog, the first spring in Starfleet. Congratulations. Star it's yeah. a great Thank honor. <laughs> it is. It is. I'm now cap- a captain. All, All right. right. <laughs> it's almost 25. No, I don't know. <laughs> we always like to play that way. We just. I actually just came back from the Star Trek Las Vegas convention that Creation puts on. So I just came back from that, uh, which was wonderful. It, it, it was great.
0: And so I guess the most important question that we're going to field today or that we're, we're going to ask you, how long for the makeup, really, for that character? Hey,
3: no joke. <laughs> <laughs> My fiancé, Melissa, over here is laughing because I have a T-shirt that says um, it only takes an hour and a half, no. and it's, uh, it's, it's, she wears it all the time, and I have a few other people that have That's purchased wild. one that wear it because it's a question I get asked Every day. more than any other question <laughs> You know, I, I always thought people would say, wow, are you Brad Pitt? But no.
0: Um, <laughs> well, that was question number two, uh, Aaron. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but what we think is incredible, so we've been watching all the videos, we've been watching your, your interviews and things, and we just think you're you're great. We, you just seem cool, like someone yeah. cool, and then we we think you're cool because you're joining us on this podcast for a very important reason. Um, The reason that you're able to bring that character to life, to do all these incredible things, to reach all these people, is because someone said yes to donation. And they said it a long time ago, right? Your journey with donation started when you were born,
3: right? Pretty much, yeah. Um, So I was born in 1969, and I was adopted. And what had happened is my mom, Linda Eisenberg, my mother who adopted me, was concerned because she was like, well, he's not eating. So when they took me in, they did some tests, and they found out that I only had one kidney, and that one kidney was defective. And a side note to that, the, the adoption agency told my mom, that, well, you can give them back if you want. Oh, wow. oh no. <laughs> just, just, just really oh, funny. Um, and my mom was, you know, of course, I don't, I'm not giving them back. Oh. It's like, you know, returning me to Macy's or something. <laughs> and, um, and, but the good side of that was that they then offered to have the government pay for all my expenses, her expenses. I mean, my mom's ex- medical expenses or whatever might be incurred because I was adopted, which was probably a wonderful gift and boon for my mother, um, especially with what came next over the past 17 years. So I was born with one defective kidney, uh, which is why I'm short. I'm I'm five feet tall, but I'm in proportion. Both my boys are now towering over me. Um, And that kidney worked until I was about 13 or 14. Now, as a kid, I really just didn't have any clue. Uh, My mom had already always told me I had one kidney, and, uh, you know, but she let me kind of live my life. And the doctors, honestly really didn't know how long I would last. They they thought I wouldn't make it till three. Then they didn't think I'd make it till six. Then they didn't think I'd make it till 10. And then they were like, okay, we just don't know. We don't know how long this kid's going to go. Wow. Um, and so, like I said, at 13, it began to fail. I went on dialysis at 14. My doctor was Dr. Carl Grushkin at Children's Hospital of Los Angeles. Amazing doctor. Amazing hospital. I, I have nothing but, you know, it's funny. I just, now as I'm saying this, I have nothing but fond memories of all the hospitals and doctors I've ever had to deal with.
4: Wow, that's I, I have great. to say
3: I've been very, very blessed with my experiences through dialysis and transplantation both times. I say that it took me off track a little bit because of how much I love UCLA, which ha- where my last transplant occurred. So anyway, we'll go back to um, dialysis for three years. I did CAPD. I chose to do continuous ambulatory peritoneal dialysis. At the time, I, I think I had the luxury of doing that because my kidneys still function. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't functioning enough to live on. So this occurred just before I went into high school. You know, funny, you know, when, you, when you're when you a father and you see your boys. <laughs> <funny>. <laughs> I always get emotional when I yeah. tell my, my story sometimes. Um, you see them at 13 and 14. Mm-hmm. And as a father, I go, holy. Oh, I almost cussed <laughs> <laughs> I go, I go, it's unreal how I dealt with that. And I dealt with it back then, you know, when I was going through dialysis, like, okay, what do I have to do? Sign me up and let's do this. And, um, and I had friends, uh, another friend, her name was Jenny. She passed away. She wasn't able to have a transplant. I have another friend at that time, Mark Pettit, who still has his transplant from his father. He had a living donor. And at that time, my friend Jenny's mom, I'll never forget this, was sitting in a car with me, and she said, you know, you can't be on dialysis forever. And at that time, she told me that because I was afraid to go on the transplant list, which I think there's a lot of people out there even now that are afraid to go on the transplant list. And I was afraid because I remember when I went on dialysis, another gentleman in the room was constantly crying and screaming in pain. And I'm like, my God, what's, what's up with this guy? And they told me he had a transplant. I'm like, oh, my God, I don't oh want to gosh. go do that. That's
1: something so to look forward that, to there. That
3: put a lot of fear in me from the get-go. But as the years went on and I was on di- dialysis, she told me that. I've never forgotten that moment. I said, you're right. I know. I've got to do it. And I always knew for some reason, I don't know why, it wasn't arrogance or overconfidence. It was just an instinctual feeling I had that I knew when I went on that list, it wasn't going to be long before I had my transplant. So sure enough, I went on the list and then I, I got a call on June 17th in 86, that morning for my transplant. So we went in that morning, we went in that morning, drove in, and uh, later that day, you know, my life changed forever. And and it was a deceased donor and that kidney, amazingly, in eighty. <laughs> lasted 29 and a half years. I was trying so hard, so hard to get to 30. Almost got to 30. Uh, 30. Yeah. Wow. That's it lasted amazing. 29 and a half years. And for a deceased donor, yeah. that's just mm-hmm. absolutely incredible.
1: Especially back then with technology, we're so much further along with matching uh, a lot closer and then with the medicines you know, that you guys have to take to, yes. to be able to go 29 years. That's astounding.
3: Yeah, absolutely astounding. And, and you know, I love telling this story and I want to tell this story more and more. I've been frustrated that, well, and, and maybe this is on me to search out how to tell this story more to people that want to hear it. I've always been frustrated that doctors or hospitals or children's hospital have never reached out to me to say, hey, can you come and talk and mm-hmm. tell your story to dialysis patients or other people or doctors or nurses, because it is an incredible story to last that long and it mm-hmm. succeeds so well and and you make a good point on the medication my medication then was sand immune, cyclosporin mm-hmm. i remember taking the vial the liquid form of cyclosporin prednisone and imuran um that, that was my dose and i remember you know at the time when i first had my transplant we had to put the medication into orange juice mm-hmm. and shake it up and drink it because it tasted so bad and i remember at the time maybe this was My, I don't know if it was OCD, but my vigilance and taking my medicine. I noticed when I would drink the orange juice, there was a film on on the glass. I'm like, I'm not getting all my dose. I'm not getting all my dose. So I started just pushing the medicine into my mouth and then drinking it. So I made sure I I got my correct dose. Obviously, my choices must have worked out because I've Lasted a long time.
0: Well, I think your personality, too. I love
2: listening to you, it's like you're so full of life.
3: Yeah, well... I've had two chances at a second chance at life. I better there be you go. That's it. right.
2: Erin, I do want to ask, did you get an opportunity to talk or know anything about your donor or your donor's family? No,
3: uh, not at all. At that time, the doctors weren't really in that mindset mm-hmm. to have us meet the family of the donors. I think they were too afraid of what that might cause. You know, either guilt or um, you owe this. That they went on the negative side of that kind of relationship,
4: right. where I
3: think now we see that completely different. That it's actually um, <clears throat> incredibly healing for both sides. I saw a video. I think I I tweeted on Facebook where I'm gonna cry again. The the father that I, I believe I'm telling this story correctly lost his daughter and then donated her organs and her heart went to another gentleman Mm -hmm. and the father went on like a um a running across country to meet that uh recipient to promote donor awareness and
0: and that happened here in Louisiana.
3: Oh was that was it in Louisiana? Yeah,
0: we got to be there to to witness that, to to capture that embrace Uh, and that was amazing. I'm glad it, it reached you. We're we're trying to reach new folks, yeah.
3: Yeah, I shared it. I shared it with my small group of transplant um, recipients that I have that I stay connected with, and I want to make a Facebook page for recipients and dialysis patients more in a support sense, but I haven't thought of a great name, so I haven't done it yet.
4: <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: And there's another gentleman that's on dialysis right now that I did I did some interview with. It's called uh, Forever is Tomorrow. His name is Scott Burton, and he's trying to promote more. And that's kind of where I, I really need to get to, to have that. And to talk more about it, let me go backwards. I I, I kind of trailing off on on oh, okay. on on how to keep talking about this. So let's let's talk about it. So at that time, no, they did not want us to. We have a suspicion um, mm-hmm. that it was um, a child. Uh. We don't have. I can't verify that at all. Um, mm-hmm. Only because. I don't know why. I, I, I think my mom should answer that question and, and if she could remember why we think that. I think somebody was in the elevator when an organ was coming up, up the elevator while I was getting prepped. Um, but there was a reason why we thought it was a child or a baby mm. that had passed away.
1: That's not uncommon.
3: But again, I can't verify that. And, and that would lend itself maybe for why it lasted 29 right. years as yeah. well.
1: That's how we usually, even now, we try to match... You know, especially because of size, but pediatrics usually get priority with other pediatrics, especially back in, in that day. So it you are uh, most likely... As well uh, as
3: it should, that. as well as it should, you know, to, to give those kids a chance that mm-hmm. we all take for granted, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. because I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't have... Oh my gosh, I wouldn't have two boys, I wouldn't have been on Star Trek, I wouldn't have met Melissa, I wouldn't have all the things that I've had.
0: Yeah, and we call it a gift, and you're showing us how precious that gift is. Exactly. Now you said that kidney lasted you about 30 years, so then what happened? What'd you have to to do there?
3: Well, so I'll go backwards a little bit, which is, is kind of funny and will get me out of being so emotional. As I had the kidney, one of the decisions I made, I got into acting because I think uh, my, my fiance was sniffling. I think I'm making her cry. Uh, don't too. make me cry. Yeah. Don't make me cry. I can't <laughs> talk if I'm crying. It's um, contagious here. So when I got out of high school, I got into acting because I fell in love with it. And I also looked at it differently. You know, our experiences in life really dictate how we see life and how we deal with life. Yes. And when I was out of high school, I was going to a JC and I was pursuing acting. And I got to a point where I'm like, okay, I'm going to fail at either one. I've got to make a decision for one or the other.
4: Mm-hmm. And I
3: thought to myself, well, I've got my transplant now. I don't know how long it will last. It might give me four years. might give me two. might give me five. I have no idea. So I'm going to go pursue acting now because I have the opportunity to do it, and I don't know where I'm going to go after that. So I'm going to give everything I have into that because if I try to do both, I'm going to fail at both. So I chose acting. Now we know where that took us, um, and I got on Star Trek. I did some other movies. I've had an amazing career up to then. And I remember when I got Star Trek, I was like, oh my gosh, come on, just get me through Star Trek. I don't want to lose my kidney through Star Trek. (laughs) I don't want to not be able to do this. This is so amazing. So it got me through Star Trek. And then my boys came into my life. And I'm like, oh, come on. Okay, now you got to get me till they're 18. You got (laughs) to last till they're 18. I've got to make it till they're 18. And sure enough, I was so close. They both turned eighteen. Mm-hmm. My youngest turned eighteen just last month, so I oh, almost wow. made it till yeah. he was eighteen. But fair enough, I pretty much did, which was yeah. fantastic. Yes. And then my kidney started to fail. It started to fail really, I would say, probably back in 2011. We talk about the medicine. You briefly mm-hmm. brought it up back then. I for all that time, I was on Imuran, Sandimmune, Cyclosporin, and Prednisone. My doctor never changed that. Because he's he, I think was from the mentality if if it's not broke, don't fix it. Absolutely. let's just keep going. Your body seems to work well with it. Everything is doing really well. But I started to get squamous cells on my hands, and so he, he didn't really have the the answer. So he said, "I want you to go to UCLA." So I went to UCLA, and the doctors looked at what I was saying. Like, "Oh my God, what are you doing? We have new meds. This is <laughs> this is ancient. Yeah. This is so ancient." <laughs> so he quickly took me off of immune and put me on. Rapamune. He didn't put me on ProGraph. put me on Rapamune, And I think I was still taking a different form of cyclosporin. and he completely got rid of Imran. He said, that's what's doing this to you. You can't take that anymore. So I went on the new meds and then the squamous cells minimized a lot to the point where I don't have them anymore, knock on wood. But the kidney was failing. And the way he described it is he said, look, Kidney is like an old car. We we just don't know when it will end. So you just keep going until you can't go anymore. So that was in I think it was 2011 or 2013 somewhere in that time frame. In 2015, in April, my kidney function got down to where uh, I think at 18, so I could go on the transplant list. So I went on the transplant list in April of 2015. Four months later, I lost the kidney, and then I went on dialysis. And this time now, because the kidney just failed, just and and stopped I had to go into the doctor into the hospital literally the next day although I waited one day because I had business to take care of <laughs> so I waited one extra day he called me on on a Tuesday on a Monday evening he said look you're in kidney failure you need to go to the hospital now I said well give me tomorrow I got to make phone calls because I have a business to run and I have to take care of my family make sure bills are paid Um, I'll go in on Wednesday. He said, okay. (laughs) So I took Tuesday, took care of everything, walked in on Wednesday. I was on dialysis late Wednesday evening, and that was a trip. That was a trip. That was completely different than what I went through when I was 14. When I went 14, I wasn't at that stage where the kitty just completely just, it was done. I don't remember going through anything what I went through this last time. So I thought I was dying. I actually thought I was dying. There was a moment in the hospital where I thought this was it. I closed my eyes, and I thought I was done. And it's funny. I woke up, and I'm like, I'm still here. I'm still here. And it was either that day or the next day my doctor comes in. I go, I thought I was dying. He's all, you weren't dying. If you were dying, you'd have been in ICU. And I go, Mm -hmm. that's a good
4: point. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Here we go.
3: (laughs) So, and this was now hemodialysis. So they put a, they put a catheter in my chest because it, you know, obviously a fistula needs to, needs a week or two to be ready for dialysis. And they put it in my chest and I I can never say that word dial, um, dialyze. Yes, that's it. Dialyze. I don't know why I, I have a, my brain gets stuck on that word, but I kept the catheter because I I wanted to go on peritoneal. I didn't want to stay on hemo. Mm -hmm. And then I um, got a donor uh, who happened to be a friend of our family. It's so weird how life works. So her name is Beth Bernstein. When I was 19, my mom and I lived in these apartments, and our neighbor was her family. She wasn't living there because she was she was at that time a little bit older. She's a few years older than me. So we met her then when I was 19. Mm-hmm. So here I am at 46 having a new transplant. She be- She offered to donate went through all the testing, which can be very scary for people because Mm -hmm. they do such rigorous testing to make sure that the donor is safe, is uh, an excellent match, will give the greatest success for the recipient. And she had the courage to go through all that, went through it, and miraculously happened to be a perfect match. Wow. I mean, it's just, I'm sitting there going, how does this happen right. for me? It's, it's not an understatement to say I, it's like winning a lottery mm-hmm. twice. You hear those people that win the lottery two or three times, and you're like, how does that happen? Right. Yeah. Well, this is how it happens. Mm-hmm. There is no rhyme or reason. There is no number system. There is no statistic that, that says, well, you do A, B, or C you'll win the lottery. So she happened to be a donor. We went through the whole process and they keep telling you, well, we've got a couple more. It's looking good. We'll find out. And and you're just like going, you're shaking your head going, I hope this this works out. This is Mm -hmm. incredible. And all of a sudden, you're in the waiting room at the hospital the day of the transplant and then they're, you know, putting you under to give you the kidney. And here I am with a year and a half after, you know, still going strong. And her kidney... Her kidney function is higher than the previous one I had. Oh, wow. The previous one yeah. never got below a 1.6 creatinine. Last time I got my lab work, it was 1.1. 1. 1. Now perfect. I go in Friday, and now I'm like, oh, I hope everything's okay, because that's what we live with. Uh, yeah. Recipients always going, knock on wood, I hope everything is looking good. So
1: so she's doing well?
3: Yes. As far as I am aware, doing very well, I I called her uh last week I think and left a message but I haven't heard back from her. So as far as I'm aware she's doing very well. But the gift she gave me, you know, it's incredible and it, I I it's such a you run out of adjectives to describe what it feels like to receive something like that from someone. <laughs> there 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 just aren't any words to express the gratitude that one feels because it's it's literally life-changing and she's part of my family you know now and i try to call and keep in touch with her you know it's kind of like family you know mm-hmm. um yep. they're always always a part of you and and within you and of you um even if you don't speak to them for a few weeks or a month or you speak to them uh, a couple of days uh, between
0: well and you mentioned uh, volunteering here in louisiana we work with those volunteers. And that's what inspires folks to sign up. So we appreciate you joining us here on the podcast. You will reach so many. And I saw at some of the events that that you attend, you also talk about donation. That too is working. But we encourage folks, if you want to volunteer, tell your story, go to that uh, center near you and let them know. You telling your story, I think that's going to save so many more lives. And that's just amazing. I do
3: want to say one thing that I hope this podcast will reach a lot of dialysis patients. If they're afraid, and unsure of having a transplant. I, I hope this reaches them and inspires them to take that step because it really is life changing. And and a lot of times I don't think they realize that in in as their life becomes accustomed to dialysis. Mm-hmm. Um and, and many many probably can't get a transplant and many can and so I hope the ones that can will talk about it, consider it you know, talk with their family, their doctors, their nurses, and, and take those steps because I wouldn't have everything I've had if I didn't, if I didn't take that chance when, when Mary Ellen, my, my friend's mom said, you know, you, you got to take that step. Um, and, and that's, I hope it reaches them as well as all the people to just say, I will donate because, um, there's a shortage, you know, it's, my, my, my wait time when I went on dialysis was 7 to 10 years, and Beth changed that. She, she made that four months, and, um, and if more people did that, more people would be out there living their lives. They may not get that opportunity unless somebody says, I'll be a donor. So anyway, okay, so uh, I just wanted to say that.
1: Wow, incredible story. Thank you, Aaron, for being here with us on The Gifted Life, for making time to be with us and wanting to share your story. On the podcast, we always say it takes one person to make a difference. Way to go, Aaron! You are helping to make life happen, and we can't wait to see what comes next.
0: We have reached the hero segment here on The Gifted Life, and we've been talking about living donation. Today, we honor a living donor hero. Her name, Melody Goldman, and she saved the life of her husband. His name is Mark. He wrote this, My wife is my hero. I was diagnosed last year with end-stage renal disease and was hospitalized numerous times. I was informed that I had to start dialysis treatment. My only hope was a kidney transplant. My wife volunteered to be tested and we learned she was a perfect match. Now Mark recently received that kidney from his wife and he is thriving, we hear. Those who know him well say he is doing just great, which we love to
1: hear. Although he is a recipient in this situation, he is one of our heroes. He's been a major supporter for LOPA over the last 30 years. He's been a coroner's investigator locally in the New Orleans area, and he's helped us save many, many other lives.
2: We now pause to celebrate Melody for being a living donor and giving Mark the gift of life.
0: In our question and answer segment, uh, Joe, this one's coming your way. I want to help by donating a kidney to someone in need. Do I have to know someone who's waiting or can I donate to a stranger?
1: Uh, Of course, the the majority of the time that person knows they have a a family member or Mm -hmm. a friend or someone that they know maybe in a church group, but you can also donate anonymously just from an altruistic standpoint. Generally speaking, you'll go to your local transplant center or your favorite transplant center, unos.org. You go to unos.org. You can select the living donation tab, and they will uh, tell you basically everything you need to know about living donation and can help point you in the right direction. So
2: if you have any questions about this segment or other segments that we've done, please give us a call, 504-648-3477. Or you can send us your question at
0: info at lopa.org. Episode 63, I, I guess we're going to call it our Star Trek episode. What do you think?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, we it was power packed. It was power packed. story. We certainly want to thank Aaron Eisenberg for coming on Nog,
0: Nog, as he's known <laughs> our, in our our
1: new bud, on, yeah, <laughs> yep, on B Space Nine. His raw emotion, even oh, this absolutely. far out, was just so palpable.
2: And usually, I try to keep a bit of a distance between my emotion and when. But when I heard him share that, it was like, oh my, this is so real and with such feeling that how could you not want to help others through this means? You know. Really yeah. good. And really I just kept wanting good. to hear more. Like he's yeah. so yeah. positive
0: about it, but then the road wasn't always so positive. Right. Oh, what a guy. No and then, kidding. and then took the time, so he has all these special credits now to his name, but he made this a priority to be with us because yep. he wanted to share information about organ tissue and I don't And
2: help others. That's that's what's so great <sighs> about it. And I wants think, to do more you know, of it. Yeah, that's right. That is a cool dude. Do we say
0: cool these days in twenty
1: seventeen? I say cool. Well yeah. we're not but cool. But I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, here, maybe we should ask Sally. We're all the same yeah, age. well, okay. Let's we're gonna, not, let's we're not ask. So thanks to Nog. Yeah, as yep. he makes his, his trek around. No play on words uh-huh. there, but a great guy who wants to do more for donation. And we want you to do more for donation as well and help us make life happen. We want you to go out today and do something that you don't normally do to help us make life happen. You can do it. Mm. This is a production of the Louisiana Organ Procurement Agency, or LOPA. The Gifted Life is hosted by Lori Steele, Joey Boudreau, and Sally Gentry. Our producers are Kirsten Hines and Shalon Caraway. We are recorded, engineered, and mixed in our Metairie, Louisiana studio by Troy Perez.